And now, Nurse Talk, where laughter's the best medicine. Brought to you by the California Nurses Association and National Nurses United. Here are your hosts, Casey Hobbs and Shane Mason. Four boys hit the road, go one time. Get back, string the gal, you know. Join your hands, circle a while. I'm the president of the Green Bay Square Dance Club. That's where I met my wife as a teenager, square dancing. And we've been dancing ever since, square dancing. The more you do it, the more you enjoy it. Swing through, go to my tune, the balance there. It's just nice entertainment. You can't beat it. Welcome to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. I'm Casey Hobbs. I'm Shane Mason. And we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Well, Shane, have you ever thought of square dancing? You know, I was going to say, you shouldn't actually <laughs> contact those people like they asked, because that was filmed 15 minutes ago, and they're all dead. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, that's that cool. Bad? These people oh. make it look like so much fun. And I am inspired that they're getting great exercise, too. Not really, because they didn't move very fast. These are things that keep us young and healthy. So, Casey, the answer to your question is no. I have not considered square dancing, um, but they do make it look pretty easy. Uh, so why are you asking? You think about starting up a square dance club? <laughs> I'm just laughing at the mere thought of me doing any real square dancing. First off, I don't think I could get all those moves down. You know me. I'm always looking for new ways to stay fit. This doesn't look like it. This appears to be low impact and no harm to arthritic joints. In fact, no harm even to my my heart, the chance of getting it pumping. I think I'll check it out. Maybe I'll start a club for nurses. You're always for blowing through dancing. these uh, uh, exercise fads because last year it was pole dancing, and now you're going to square dancing. <laughs> You've really gone down on, on the excitement level. I, I completely level there. have gone. So don't look at me. Uh, you let me know how that goes. So, uh, Casey, last week we talked about an investigative news report out of Nashville, Tennessee, and it was titled, Vanderbilt University Medical Center's Latest Budget Moves Mean Nurses Will Be Responsible for a Lot More Than Patient Care. Shane, roll over Beethoven, because this information is really going to shock you, particularly if you're a nurse. This is part of a transcript of a recent report from Channel 4 TV in Nashville, Tennessee. So the Channel 4 I-team has learned some Vanderbilt nurses will now be in charge of cleaning patients' rooms, <laughs> even bathrooms. Because we have so much nurses, time. They're the cream of the crop, so I bet they are particularly upset about this. Sanitized environments and hospitals are critical to a patient's health, but the new cost-cutting measure has at least one nurse concerned. One nurse? I bet, that's, Come I on. bet there's that's a lot more of than concerned one nurse nurses. That's concerned, because I'm out here in California, and I'm hella concerned. Cleaning the room after the case, including pulling your trash and mopping the floor, are all infection prevention strategies, and it's all nursing, and it's all surgical tech. You may not believe that, but even Florence Nightingale knew that was true. Now, this was from a hospital administrator to staff in a video obtained by the Channel 4 mm. I-team. Said a hospital administrator. Of course, that would have to We're be an administrator. Pulling the Florence Nightingale card. Uh, I'll pull always that pull that, out, that yeah. Florence Nightingale. The new cleaning changes were also detailed in an email sent to staff at the Vanderbilt Medical Center oh my God. East team, which, according to a hospital employee, works in surgery areas and patient rooms. Why was the East so unlucky? I don't even know how I would respond. I would be so shocked. A manager writes in the email, we have undergone some major budgetary changes. <laughs> this means 
we will need to pull together like never before. So why aren't the administrators down there mopping the floors? Yeah, why is it the nursing? Trash. I wonder if he said this with a mop in his hand. I bet <laughs> yeah. he didn't. Yeah, I bet he didn't. The email says nurses will now have to pull their own trash and linens, sweep up, and spot mop. Because we have so much time on our hands. Nurse care partners and nursing assistants will be responsible for all patient care areas. The priority will be what the patient sees, the email says, meaning that if the patient can't see it, we can make it filthy and drive infection rates up. Also, in bold highlighted text, the email says, be sure to wear the appropriate personal protective equipment when doing any disinfecting. That includes a cover-up gown, gloves, mask, and even an eye shield when necessary. Because Nur- we all know how dirty it is to clean up. Yeah, nurses were also told to refrain from speaking negatively oh. about this in an open forum where our customers can hear. If you need to vent, come see me. And oh, I bet there and I bet you that's just so yeah. exciting to go see the administrator yeah. and say, you know, I've really had it with mopping up these uh, rooms. The hospital employees did not up. want to be identified for fear of losing their jobs, but wanted the public to be aware of the changes. Mm. This is our new reality. The work still must be done. We must still care for patients, and we must do so in an efficient manner. The hospital administrator told staff in the video obtained by the Channel 4 I-Team. What I would like to know is what was their profit margin for last year? So we'd really be interested to know what you think about this report. Now, Shane, mind you, after this, after nurses have been cited in a Gallup poll for the past 11 years as the most effective profession, most respected respected. profession, and now they want us to clean the toilets. So so we're going to the, like, we don't want to do that sort of work, and that is a valid, you know, we do, we're highly educated, blah, 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 but also really the issue here is, is that nurses don't have time to be doing this, and they don't have time to be putting on gowns and taking them off and putting on eye masks to spot mop a floor. And it's also, if you talk about infection control, so here's the nurse who's going to be changing your wound care in a sterile, hopefully with a sterile field. But meanwhile, she's just cleaned up some vomit and poop that was on the floor. She did gown up and whatnot, and then she had to wash her hands. How safe do you feel with her coming in your room after she's been mopping the floor next door and doing uh, some very serious wound care? Now, I will say that as a nurse... Many times I have mopped or I have done those things, but it's only in an emergent situation. And I didn't have to do it in a eight-hour shift where I was then responsible for anywhere from six to ten patients. I, this just shocks me about Vanderbilt because, as you said, it's a well-known, Vanderbilt's very a well-established school of nursing. It is. And the, these are not, this is the creme de la creme, and they're asking them to do this kind of thing. what? So did they fire the housekeeping yeah, staff? Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask next is what what's up with the housekeeping Exactly. Staff? So did they cut them? And so they're paying the nurses who they pay a pretty penny to. Well, in the South, let's be real. They don't really pay a pretty penny to them because the salaries are very low in the South. It would be uh, but, interesting to see what the Vanderbilt School of Nursing, what their stance on this is. And, and are they, they now having to teach in school of nursing how to mop the floor? Right. Is that what oh you... Oh, my God. Do you now have clinical? to have a class? Yeah. Here's a mop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this week in clinical, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to learn to uh, clean a toilet and a sink and mop the floor and then go do some other infection control techniques like pass medications. Outrageous. It is outrageous. So it'll be interesting to see. I have a feeling this isn't going to go through. I, I just, I have a feeling that there will be enough. I think that even Sadly, I think it will go through. I think the patient, I think the patients themselves are eventually going to be like, I do not want my nurse 
mopping, mopping the, floor. the floor when I'm asking for pain medication. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Now that would be really bad. Somebody is hurting in pain and you got to say, I'm sorry, I've got to clean up on aisle four yeah, totally. that I got to take care of. <laughs> but Shane, we have asked about what others think of nurses now cl- cleaning rooms in addition to doing their real jobs, which is treating their patients. And here are some of their lovely responses from Facebook. So we got a couple here. One woman writes, absolutely shameful. What a disgrace to the profession. So true. I don't suppose this plan includes hiring more nurses to carry this out. Three question marks. Every place I have worked in has had shortages in nursing staff and overextended, burned out, wonderful nurses. What? Exactly true. So there's a burnout, and so now you're going to ask them to do even more. Yeah, one gets a little riled up. Fat chance, buddy, I'd quit. It's bad enough my patients think I'm their indentured servant as it is. Which is so very true. OMG, you've got to be kidding me. I've seen everything now. Yeah, and this one just took a picture of a cake. People do that on Facebook. I don't care what the subject is. Look at my food. Look at my food. So it sounds like my 12-hour shift, so it sounds like uh, this person does this a lot anyway. Do you really want to know what I think? Well, here it goes. This is getting out of hand. Look, what they want the nurses to do now, helping to clean up the room after a case in the OR has always been the norm, but aren't we responsible for many multitasking already? Yeah, and here's one that says, when I was in the practical nursing program, one local hospital used the nursing students for that. In other words, I paid tuition to become a nurse and scrubbed toilets and cleaned rooms instead of clinicals and working on my nursing skills. Not getting a lot of sympathy from me personally, but I understand (laughs) I did it too. So we'll keep you updated on this as it unfolds. And in the meantime, let us know what you think by tweeting us at at, uh, hashtag nurse talk. Shane, how many of us really know the difference uh, between a right to work state and a state that has employment at will? All I know is they have too much power already. I'd say probably not many. Right to work laws govern hiring of employees. In a nutshell, right to work means that a person has the right to work for a company without being required to either join a union or financially support a union. This is getting scary to me. Yeah, so basically if you live in a state that has right to work, you don't have to join a union or pay union dues as a condition of your employment. By the same token, employment at will means that either an employer or employee can end a working relationship at any time for any reason with no notice. Mm-mm-mm. That is just too scary. On the surface, this sounds like a no-brainer, but wait, it gets complicated and political. Why should nurses care? Oh my gosh. I can't believe that that's even a question because, of course, we care. Why should anyone care? Later, we're going to talk with RN and president of the Michigan Nurses Association, John John Armalagos. I hope you're saying, I hope I'm saying your name right, John, about a recent protest against Governor Rick Snyder, so-called right to work law. Anything that protests Rick is a good thing. At the rally, nurses wore duct tape over their mouths that symbolized how the governor's attack on workers will stop nurses from speaking out at work so they can keep their patients safe from corporations that care more about profits than patient care. So very true. Yeah, so this is a great conversation, Casey, and one that all of us should be interested in and concerned about. And later, a pain-free, pill-free prescription to reduce your heart health risk. As nurses, we know how to check blood pressure, administer medications, and counsel patients about healthy living. But let's face it, some of us don't practice what we preach. Say it isn't so, I am overweight. At the end of a long shift taking care of others, we sometimes fail to take the best care of ourselves. It doesn't have to be that way, says Beth Battaglino. Again, I hope I'm saying your your name right, Beth. As a busy practicing nurse, chief executive officer of the website, Healthy Women 
a wife and a mom of a one-year-old boy. Beth says she can fit healthy habits into her life and you can make it happen. But here's the thing. If you have a one-year-old and you have a full-time gig and you're a wife, you're getting your exercise every day. You don't have to go anyplace to get it. So all that along with Joni Craigins in my day, <laughs> health trivia and email questions. But now, Casey, let's have a little fun. It's, it's time. about time. Yes. Yay. It's time for the Scrubs Magazine Top 10 List. 10 things only ER nurses understand. So coping with frequent flyers, eating lunch right after cleaning up a messy trauma, mm-hmm. patients who are well impatient. ER nurses, we feel your pain. These came for real nurses. So here we go. Number 10. So these are the 10 things only ER nurses understand. Number 10. How to overcome the stares of hatred from patients waiting in the lobby who have no concept of the word triage system. Number nine, patients being allergic to all pain medications except Dilaudid, or they're <laughs> allergic the to Tylenol, but Vicodin's fine, even though there's Tylenol in Vicodin. Exactly. Number eight, when the EMS radio goes off with a critical patient and everyone runs to the bathroom because it might be a long time before we get another chance to pee. Number seven, most patients say I was minding my own business and I only had two drinks and I've never <laughs> decided that minding your own business and only having two drinks are the most dangerous activities you can do. <laughs> That's for sure. Number six, being able to eat lunch right after cleaning up that body part that got accidentally Gross. amputated from a t- particularly messy trauma. Number, no problem eating yeah. my sandwich after that. Number five, how many nurses are required to supervise a procedure when the fire rescue hotties are called in to help? Not this one. <laughs> Number four, betting on a patient's blood alcohol level. That's N- always a good trick. Number three, Patients who come in complaining of nausea and vomiting 20 times before they got there, but after they get pain and nausea and meds, they're demanding something to eat because they're starving. <laughs> Number two, telling normal patients, don't worry, he will be fine, as they look at you all worried and the patient next to them is going crazy and you're ignoring their antics. Number one, wondering whose life I may help save this shift. So we'll be right back with RN and president of the Michigan Nurses Association, John R. Malagos. What is the state of the union in Michigan? Don't go away. There's lots more to come. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best and always look on the bright side of life always look on the light side of life if life seems jolly rotten there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Always look on the bright side of life Come on Always look on the bright side of life For life is quite absurd you must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your seat, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance and yeah. So always look on the right side of life. Come on, boy, cheer up. Always look on the right side of life. 
is that? Oh, that? It's my time machine. Does it work? Sure. Just hit this button. Whoa, dinosaurs. Cool. Or we can go here. Hey, that's Napoleon. Me. Oui. Or we can go to the future. Wow, hey, you have this nice house. Do I have a nice house? No, you didn't save any money, always spent it on vacations and stuff. If only there was a way I could go back in time and correct that bad habit. Yep. Okay, the time machine is not real, but the saving thing is. Get in the habit of putting some of your money in savings each week through a 401k, savings account, or financial investments. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy tips on saving, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. What does this crazy little button do? Wait! No! This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. We will not be an easy target. We will never roll over and let pain plan our day. We will protect our bodies and fight back by moving. We will do our morning laps, walk our dogs around the block, pass up the elevator and proudly take the stairs. Because arthritis can't beat us if we beat it first. In the fight against arthritis, you need a weapon. What's yours? To learn more, visit us at fightarthritispain.org. This message brought to you by the Arthritis Foundation and the Ad Council. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. I've always wanted to be a nurse. In between, do I want to be a doctor or a nurse? And for me, the nursing was the part where they got to spend the most time with the patient. That was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be a caregiver. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. When it comes to changing people's lives, I think that some of the things we do do touch and change people's lives forever. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason, and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. So Casey, sadly, Americans are accustomed to hearing about the deadly wars our country's engaged in. And Mm -hmm. whether we hear too much or in some cases too little, it's something we've all gotten used to. These are the kind of wars the mainstream media talks about, but there's another type of war that you don't hear about unless you read Mother Jones or you read or listen to non-traditional media sources. Enter the state of Michigan and Governor Rick Schneider's plotted war on labor unions. In December of last year, hundreds of nurses stood on the Michigan Capitol steps as the Republican legislatures rushed devastating right-to-work bills through in one day, despite Governor Rick Schneider saying he didn't want the legislation to go through. So here with us to talk about this disturbing trend to stop labor unions state by state is John Armelagos, RN and president of the Michigan Nurses Association. Welcome, John, and thanks for being with us today. Uh, Thanks for uh, the opportunity to speak with folks. So give us an overview of what appears to be your governor's systematic campaign to use the right to work law to get rid of unions in the state of Michigan. 
Well, um, right to work was enacted. Unions are still part of uh, the landscape in Michigan, so uh, he he did not wipe out uh, collective bargaining or the ability of workers to organize. The the story really begins in 2010, where the governor and his party, I think, were elected on a uh, fundamentally a, a mistruth. Uh, they were elected on small, leave me alone government. Since they took control of the state apparatus of the state legislature, uh, all the executive uh, statewide positions, and the the, uh, Supreme Court, these folks have been anything but moderate. They've ruled with a heavy hand. Since 2010, there's been one piece of uh, draconian legislation that's hurt nurses, that's hurt collective bargaining, workers in general, and working families. Just really, really briefly, Snyder's inaugural budget had about a 1.7 or 1.8 billion dollar wealth transfer from uh, working families and public education to corporations and the very wealthy. He decreased uh, K through 12 funding for public education. All that money went to uh, tax breaks for corporations. And um, he also ruled with a heavy hand in regards to the emergency financial manager bill, which basically mm-hmm. gives the uh, the governor the authority to overtake, uh, take over any uh, public municipality such as your city, your township, your school board, if the governor deems it uh, financially in distress. It's happening to uh, several municipalities and school districts across the state, primarily uh, those uh, entities that are uh, have a, a majority populace of African Americans and people of color. Uh, one of the battles that we did win uh, in 2012 was a, a constitutional amendment to uh, get rid of the emergency financial manager bill. And uh, about 30 or 45 days after that was uh, passed by the uh, populace in Michigan, the governor and his party uh, did some small tweaks to the law, and this emergency financial manager still survives in spite of the people's will. John, what's the real definition of right-to-work law as opposed to how your governor is reading it? Right-to-work is, I think, another lie. Right to work so doesn't true. provide anybody any employment. It doesn't provide basically any rights. You know, the city of Detroit has close to 40% unemployment. Uh, with right to work, the city still faces a, an economic crisis like uh, many in, in Michigan do. Mm-hmm. Right to work is only about weakening collective bargaining. It doesn't guarantee any work. It's only about having uh, workers and registered nurses lose their collective voice in the workplace. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the GOP is always so good at naming this stuff in some way. Yes. It's going to get you riled up, like mm-hmm. right to work. That's one mm-hmm. thing they do. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, I was watching uh, Jay Leno's farewell speech. He was talking about how his crew is all, they're all unionized, and it's the best crew he's ever worked with, and wow. gave a little pitch for that. It was really That's interesting. Great. So and I'm so glad he did that. Yeah. So, John, there's huge money behind this anti-labor movement, and in a recent article in Mother Jones Magazine, journalist Andy Kroll says, Amway's De- Dick Devos has given a roadmap to conservatives working to bring down labor and defund the left, and his reforms could help put the state in the GOP's column in 2016. So do you have any comments on that? He hopes it's going to put him I in. I would recommend to all uh, your listeners to get that Mother Jones article uh, by uh, Kroll. Uh, it was in the uh, January-February Mother Jones, and it, it, it's, it's really antithetical to uh, a participatory government and, and democracy with a small d. 
DeVos uh, ran for governor in 2006 and got trounced, even though he spent $35 million of his own money to uh, try to get elected as governor. governor. But uh, he and his cohorts have been working behind the scenes since 2006 to um, institute right-to-work and other legislation harmful to uh, working families in Michigan. John, I just got to say, this this right-to-work, uh, that slogan, reminds me of the slogan, Peacekeeping Missile. Because they're yeah. really good yeah. about yeah. talking about something that is antithetical to, to what they really mean. So why is it so important for all of the nurses to stand behind you, and not just all of the nurses, but all Americans to stand behind this fight? Because as I see it, corporations, this is our last fight. The unions are what's holding the line between us and complete corporatocracy. So why is it so important for all of us to fight? Well, just in terms of why it's important for nurses. Uh, it's important for nurses because collective bargaining gives nurses a, a, a voice. And in, in one of the, the most fundamental aspects of why all of us became nurses, to, be, to become strong patient advocates. When we yes. have a stronger collective voice, we can build into our contracts uh, uh, staff-patient ratios. When we have a stronger collective voice, uh, we can build into our uh, uh, contracts language that provides for uh, gaining professional autonomy in the workplace. And, and I, I truly appreciate your, your formulation. It's, it's, it's more than nurses. It's, it's really this battle about collective bargaining, I believe, uh, and, and really the, it's right to work for less. That's what it's about. Yes, it is. It, 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 it's fundamentally not only about economic uh, considerations, one union and one employer negotiating a contract, but it's, it's even more fundamental and deep. It's really about a participatory government mm-hmm. where working people have a say and influence in how their government actually acts for them or acts against them. The Duvall family spent, since, since the 1970s, over $200, $200 million for ultra-conservative causes. And um, like I said, in 06, DeVos himself spent $35 million to try to get elected. Now, he used the carrot in a, in a stick approach, basically by telling folks, telling the GOP, we will protect you if you get this instituted. And then there were a few GOP holdouts who uh, did not want to vote right to work. And he said, if you don't vote right to work, I will primary you. This is such a critical fight in Michigan because how Michigan goes is how the rest of us are going to go. If they are successful about making this a right-to-work state, this is going to go across the country. And I can't say enough to the people listening, this will affect all of us. How your nurses are treated in the workplace is how you're going to be treated. Because if they're making us clean the rooms and do these other things and get less money and have no bargaining rights and no collective bargaining rights, how long do you think they're going to be able to do what they do? And this is going to affect you and patient care. So it's really important for everybody to understand, although this is happening in Michigan, this will spread rapidly across the country if we are not able to put up some opposition and stop this. Yeah, you want a well-rested, well-taken-care-of nurse. It's like an airline pilot. You don't want your airline pilot making $20,000 a year, not yes. being able to take care of himself, because he's going to crash the plane, folks. And or, or when there's an emergency, he's not going to be able right. to land the plane, like we saw recently. If they're not well-trained... They're not going to land that plane, and it's the same for the nurse. If you want that infection to be noted, you better take care of your nurses. Absolutely. So, John, is this happening? Is there there a threat of this happening in other states right now? The blueprint for Michigan is going to happen everywhere else. So 
And it's not only state by state, but I believe if the ultra-conservative forces capture the federal Congress, the House and the Senate, as well as capture the executive uh, branch of our federal government, they will move to institute uh, right to work in a national form. Yeah, no it's, question it's about class it. warfare, and it is. it's, it's and we're, happening. And we we're gotta, caught right in the middle of it. We've been talking with RN and president of the Michigan Nurses Association, John Armelagos. Lots more to come on Nurse Talk. Don't go away. Are you thinking about getting your GED diploma? Well, here at the GED Pep Talk Center, we've got a number of pep talks that can motivate you. Sometimes things don't always turn out the way you want them to. You know that feeling? People look at you and don't believe in you. You want some gentle encouragement. Then you're on your way to your GED diploma and a better life. But I know they're probably just a little bit nervous. You can find it in yourself to take that first step. You can improve your future. You can do this. I know you can. You need to start pushing yourself. Now get your game face on and take the first step towards a better life. Hurry up. Don't make me repeat myself. Whatever level of motivation you need to get your GED diploma, we've got a pep talk that's right for you. Call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org for your pep talk and find free GED classes in your area. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? But in order to know what I wanted to be, I had to first decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more. So I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore. And frustration, a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy, and giving up, impossible. I make an old subject feel like a fresh thought, and unconventional methods common. I make material things less important, and little things like patience and kindness count. I make weekdays more exciting than weekends, and classrooms feel like anything but. I make things different, which is all I ever hoped for. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I'm not sick. You see, you must not minimize your illness. Here, take this little blue pill. I ain't taking no pill. You heard the man? Take the blue pill. Oh, you always went out. Okay. Oh, good. Now take this red pill. What's the red pill for? Oh, that's in case the blue pill was poison. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. 
Shane, I think you have sinusitis. Casey, you cannot diagnose, treat, or prescribe. Ugh, the bane of my existence, but you can as an NP, so what's the matter with me? Verbal diarrhea. Oh! Give me a second opinion. You talk too much. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but Shane can, and it always hurts. <laughs> and now, Fit Happens with your host, Joni Gregans. Since the beginning of time, humans have strived to accomplish great feats with their bodies, all in the name of fitness. Unfortunately, modern-day machinery hasn't always lived up to its height. Well, we're going to separate fitness fact from the blightest, and what we may uncover will surprise you. Welcome to Fit Happens. I'm Joni Gregans. Today's fitness factor bolitis question comes from Sarah in San Francisco. Sarah says, Dear Joni, we're one of the households that honestly gets excited every year when McDonald's announces the McRib is back for a limited time only. Now, the good news, I don't eat them. But the bad news, my husband and two sons, they love them. And that limited time only makes them even crazier. I mean, they can't wait to pull up to the drive-up window. Now, I keep reminding them that I can probably make a better sandwich, much better ingredients, but they simply say... The McRibs got them hooked. Now, I've heard so many awful things that go into the hamburgers and all else. Can you tell us about the McRib so I might kill off this annual addiction? Well, Sarah, let me tell you. McDonald's, you know, these great McRib sandwiches. Yes, the one that your family and everyone else waits all year to come out. Well, it turns out that the pork sandwich with tangy barbecue sauce served on a hoagie style bun is something less than mouthwatering. Now, you ready? Turns out it contains more than 70 ingredients, including a chemical used to bleach flour and bread, but also has other uses. It could be on your yoga mat, uh, your gym shoes, or anything else that's rubbery. But wait, there's more. The pork is actually a reconstructed meat product. You like that? Made from the less expensive innards and scraps from the pig. Check out Food Facts dot info slash McRib to see what a McRib looks like once the sauce is taken off the top and the meat is sliced in half. Oh, yikes, what is it? So, okay, is fast food really food? Well, when you consider that a large number of the ingredients in a fast food meal exists nowhere in nature, but they're concocted in a lab. That's right. You have to agree the answer is no. The concept of food has expanded from, you know, meat, fish, vegetables, fruit, and other wonderful things. You know, now we have the highly processed, preserved, artificially flavored, the meat slimes, the filler, brightly colored chemical concoctions. But guess what? Man, woman, Adam and Eve, not designed, that's right, to thrive on these man-made chemicals. Boils down to this, healthy choices, put your food, that's right, real food that's not processed or altered. Good luck, and now your Fit Happens tip of the week. Deep, revitalizing breath. That's right, we're gonna clear the mind of things like meat glue and pink slime, all that stuff. We're gonna take a deep breath. We inhale through the nose and then we exhale through the mouth. And we do it again. Anytime we're tempted to go by drive-through window, we keep deep breathing and do that all week long. You're gonna feel so much better. I'm Joni Gregans. Remember, Fit Happens. Thanks for listening to Fit Happens. If you have a fitness fact or bullitis question for Joni, Call 1-800-977-1863 or fithappens at nursetalksite.com. 
The opinions expressed don't necessarily reflect those of Nurse Talk LLC or this station. Please seek the advice of a physician before doing any kind of exercise. We cannot guarantee your results will be the same. And if you're from Mars, then we can't help you at all. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty right now. This is true. So, Casey, February is uh, Heart Health Month, Mm -hmm. and it's no secret that heart disease is the number one killer of women. Actually, I thought men was the number one killer of women, but I guess after that. (laughs) Well, it's men who give us the heart disease in the first place. (laughs) That's right. But you're right. It is men. It's more deadly than all forms of cancer. So, in fact, nearly twice as many women die from heart attack, stroke, and other coronary heart diseases than of uh, all other forms of cancer combined, including breast cancer. And in each year since 1984, more women have died of cardiovascular diseases than men. Which is surprising. It's it's not surprising. I do know this fact. But what's surprising is that people don't understand this, that, that heart disease is our number one killer. Well, our next guest is RN Beth, uh, and I did learn how to say her name, Badalina. <laughs> Beth Thanks. is the CEO the of The Healthy cute. Woman, like an online site that empowers women to take charge of their health. Healthy Woman is a nonprofit organization providing women with in-depth, objective, medically approved information on a broad range of women's health issues. Beth, welcome to Nurse Talk. So glad to have Thanks. you with us. Thanks for having me. Great. So uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about HealthyWomen.org? God sure, knows because I'm not. is um, the leading not-for-profit women's health organization. We're educating not only women but healthcare providers that take care of women about all women's health topics from A to Z. And we're really the go-to source um, for living well. Um, so if you're, you know, living with a chronic condition or want tips on how you can begin living a healthier lifestyle, HealthyWomen.org is a great source for that free information. Excellent. So we mentioned that February is Heart Healthy Month. So let's talk about heart disease in women. First, can you give us a clinical definition of heart disease? Sure. Heart disease is often used interchangeably with cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. Cardiovascular disease generally refers to conditions that involve narrowed or blocked blood vessels that can lead to a heart attack, chest pain, angina, or stroke. Other heart conditions, infectious, infectious, and conditions that affect your heart's muscle, valve, or beating rhythm also are considered forms of heart disease. There's many forms of heart disease can be prevented or treated with healthy lifestyle choices. So what are some of the symptoms of heart disease and how is it diagnosed? Some of the symptoms um, of heart disease, it's often um, thought of a problem for men, as you stated, more than women, and that more men die of, um, more women actually die than men die of heart disease um, every year. And one of the challenges is that heart disease symptoms in women can be different from symptoms in men. Mm -hmm. Um, But fortunately, women can take steps steps to understand their unique symptoms of heart disease and begin to reduce their risk of heart disease. Some of the symptoms include that present in women is neck, shoulder, upper back, or abdominal discomfort, shortness of breath, nausea or vomiting, sweating, lightheadedness or dizziness, or unusual fatigue. Which is very interesting because um, when you say discomfort, we really do mean discomfort. So everybody knows the major sign of, of heart attack, and usually for men, is that crushing pain in their chest crushing that chest goes pain. into their jaw. Exactly. And, and for and women, it's most, not and, that. In women, it presents much more subtle, and that's, that's the problem. This may be yes. because women tend to have blockage not only in their main arteries, but also in their smaller arteries that supply blood to the heart, a condition called small vessel heart disease or microvascular disease. 
And then we also have the complication that when you go to the emergency room, oftentimes you're misdiagnosed uh, by, what should I say, a male doctor who takes your symptoms not as seriously, unfortunately, because when you come in with fatigue, shortness of breath, with mild discomfort, especially if it's, if it's uh, looked to seen as abdominal in nature, they're going to go elsewhere. So women have to really get good about knowing these symptoms and advocating for themselves, I think. So, and saying that you think you're having a heart attack. So if yes. you're going into the emergency room, just say it. I think I'm having a heart attack and let them rule it out. Don't rule it out yourself. So, so let me ask you, what are some of the risk factors for uh, heart disease and are there unique uh, risk factors for women in particular? Yeah, there's absolutely um, unique risk factors for women. Traditionally, risk factors for coronary artery disease such as high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and obesity affect women and men. Other factors may play a bigger role in the development of heart disease in women. For example, metabolic syndrome, which is a combination of fat around your abdomen, high blood pressure, high blood sugars, and high triglycerides. These all have a greater impact on women than on men. Mental stress, mental stress and depression affect women's heart more than men. So depression makes it difficult to maintain a healthy lifestyle and follow recommended treatments. So if you are having... About, you know, if, you, if you're feeling depressed, it's really important to have a conversation with your, with your health care provider. So very true. I have to relate a story of a coworker of mine, so somebody who's in the health profession, who was having chest pain, a female, uh, uh, probably about in her 60s, uh, driving a rather long way. Her commute is an hour to an hour and a half, driving on night shift with terrible chest pain. And needing to get to a Kaiser facility, which was not in the city that she lived in. So she drove the entire way crying. The pain was so bad and finally got to the emergency room where they told her if she had been any later, she probably not would have not survived. She had three vessel occlusion oh. to her heart oh, wow. and had to have uh, three stints. And the sad mm-hmm. news about this is afterwards, um, because she's terrified to, to come back to work, rightly so, the pain was so severe, she isn't getting a lot of good information about heart disease and isn't being educated um, about the signs and symptoms and how to prevent it and how to stay more mobile. And now she's so afraid from the pain. It, it, it's, I, I wish we did more with people around that issue. And so, Beth, you talk about uh, pain-free, pill-free, and prescription-free. So do you mind saying a little more about what are some remedies for this? You know, exercise. So it's nothing, this is nothing new um, that that, that I'm going to be telling your audience. It's just, honestly, I just think it comes down to common sense. So it's exercise, 30 to 60 minutes a day on most days of the week, maintaining a healthy weight, quit or don't even start smoking, and eat a diet that's low in saturated fats, cholesterol, and salt. What about that apple a day? Does that help? I'm sorry? An apple a day, does that help? Apple a day is not going to hurt anyone. Of course it does. And also eating nuts regularly, isn't that a beneficial? You know what? Nuts are, nuts are a good source. It's, it's the good fats. You want the good fats in your diet. And you also, if you're on medication, stay compliant on it. Don't think that because you're feeling better or that you're seeing um, you know, your numbers go down that it's time to stop it. Really good be good about taking your medication on, on a schedule um, and, and filling that prescription um, and, and maintaining. So, so far we've covered uh, a good diet, keep moving, um, and keep your stress down. That's a big one uh, for people because stress has lots of uh, problems that way. What else would you like to add to that? Well, I definitely want to talk about, you know, let's talk about diet a little 
actually for, for nurses because we all know that we're working really long shifts um, and, and, and it's important to, and for many of us, it's just getting the, the proper nutrition while we're working and then going home and taking care of our families. The one thing that I've done is really looked at my diet and um, swapped out um, two meat um, entrees during the week to two fish. Two, Interesting. Uh, to, to two um, servings of fish at least um, a week. So maybe it's a Tuesday and Thursday or on Monday and Friday we have fish on the table. Um, and then at lunch um, when I'm on um, the floor, I bring in tuna. Um, it's a great source of protein. It's so easy now because you can get those packs in the mm-hmm. store where you can just throw them in your bag, grab some nice greens from the cafeteria or bring your, in your own salad and then top it off with a little bit of tuna and you've got a great healthy lunch. So it's really thinking through and planning your your menu, um, you're going to find that your family's eating healthier and you're certainly going to be eating healthier. Very good advice and one that we need to do more of. All right. So we appreciate it. We've been talking with Beth uh, Bataglino about health, uh, heart disease. Is that disease. how you say yeah, your Yeah, we we've butchered it like nine <laughs> times, Beth. So give it to us, please. Sorry about Bataglino, that. It's fine. All right. So we've been talking about heart disease in women. For more inter- information about this topic and more, visit Beth's website, healthywomen.org. That's healthywomen.org. Or visit our site at nursetalksite, S-I-T-E dot com. We'll be right back with health trivia and your email questions. Don't go away. Lots more show to come. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Bye-bye. My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Hey America, we are your pets. And this song's dedicated to those people who don't have health insurance yet. In Rome, we say we want you to be okay. In Rome, we say take care of people for goodness sake. There's a plan for every budget, so don't accept defeat. Now you can get covered and still buy me treats. In so listen to me, a talking pug, you see. If you get health insurance, preventive care is now free. You take care of your pets. Now it's their turn to take care of you. Visit GetCoveredAmerica.org to learn about your health insurance options. That's GetCoveredAmerica.org. And take care, people! Brought to you by Get Covered America and the Ad Council. All right, Mr. Griffin, I'm just going to need you to drop your pants and we'll check your prostate. Uh... What? Drop your pants, turn around, and lean forward. Um, okay. 
So how's this work? You just feel my pulse? So ah! 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 <laughs> what the hell was that? Mr. Griffin, that's a prostate exam. Shut up! You had your finger in my ass! That's how a prostate exam is performed. Now, if you'll just let me... Get away from me! So we are nurses, so we can... Oh, uh, scratch that one. We'll start again. We are nurses, so we cannot prescribe diagnosis. Yeah, let's try that one more time. No. Oh, Disclaimer, take ten. You didn't say that right. Take eleven. We are nurses. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, take 18. I got a real good feeling about this one. We are nurses, and so we cannot <laughs> prescribe. <laughs> uh, take 24. We are nurses, so we cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat. Yes. A, a little more heart. Heart, she says. To a couple of nurses, she's talking heart. They got a lot of nerve, don't you what think? What the hell can I say? Heart, what about Ladies, okay. we have some deadlines here. A little more heart. Disclaimer, take 37. We. Get on with it. Are. Get on with it. What are we? We're nurses. We're nurses. Yes! That's right. We're nurses. And can we prescribe, diagnose, or treat? No. No, I know that. Okay. Can we give advice? Certainly, and good advice. What else do we advise people to do? We always advise to get in touch with their physician, their primary doctor, if that's if they have one, but... Ladies? Oh, you ladies, just keep going off in some ladies, weird things. We're not listening to you, one sir. One more time with feeling. We're a couple of nurses, so we cannot prescribe diagnosis. <laughs> if we were just one nurse, we could, but since we're a couple, we can't. Okay, sorry. One more time. A okay. fast one, but a nice one. We are nurses, so we cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat. We give advice, but we also advise our callers to see their physicians. <laughs> but as always, <laughs> laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. So, Casey, I was on a date last night, and the oh, woman no. was not acting like she was into it, so I leaned over and I whispered in her ear, all materials related <laughs> to health trivia are the sole responsibility of Nurse Talk LLC, and they're not affiliated with any network or stream service airing our broadcast. And you're wondering why you're single today. Well, now I'm pregnant, so it worked. <laughs> now you're pregnant. I've told you. I've told you that's such a, a terrible line to put out there. Our health trivia question this week is, if you are having Bankart procedure or Broca Perthes Bankart, what is it? And Bankart is B-A-N-K-A-R-T. If you have the answer to this question and you're the first to email it to us, you'll win a $25 gift certificate to Starbucks. You can email us at contest at nursetalksite.com or you can call us at 1-800-977-1863. Do you have any idea? Because I personally no, I've never have heard of never one, heard so. of Bankart procedure. No, I haven't. So our question last week was, what is angioedema? Mm -hmm. And angioedema is the rapid edema, it's the rapid swelling of the deep layers of skin, the dermis, subcutaneous tissue, mu mucosa, and submucosal tissues. We had a winner. Do you have the winner's name? Yes, Jeremy Kent. Dr. Jeremy Kent, listening to us on 960, the Patriot in San Francisco. Probably one of the only doctors, I think, listening to our show. <laughs> and it's just because he has a crush on nurses. Uh -huh. Thanks for listening, Jeremy, and we'll send you the gift certificate. All right, Shane, now it's time for our email questions, and I'll read it for All you. Right. Dear Casey and Shane, and he spelt my name wrong. Oh, well. My father, who is 87 years old, lives in a wonderful assisted living facility in San Jose, California. San Jose. Sorry. 
<laughs> Do you know the way to San Jose? He's active and loves to socialize. My mother passed away six months ago, so sorry to hear that. She was a wonderful woman, and she and my father were inseparable. Recently, I found out he has a girlfriend. She is 84. Nice. I know he misses my mom, but it seems so fast. I can deal with that because I'm sure he is lonely. The part that horrifies me and concerns me is that he has a prescription for a Viagra. I work in long-term care, and I cannot tell you how many of these we fill per week. I don't want to think about what he's doing, but at the same time, what about his health? He had a mild heart attack about 15 years ago and has really bad arthritis. She seems pretty frail as well. Isn't he too old for this? Concerned in San Jose, Martha J. Martha, let me tell you, you couldn't be any further from the truth. There is more sex in the facility that I work with than any of the staff is having. I have to say it's quite amazing. <laughs> and she's done extensive polling. <laughs> so the thing that I think that gets me is that she says she's concerned, which is good, yes. but also horrified. That's your deal, Martha. You can be horrified all you want, but your dad's getting laid, and, and you that's can, a good thing. Yeah, and you can see how frail that the 84-year-old woman he is. But let me tell you, they are having some good Good afternoons and evenings Yeah, just together. be glad he hadn't traded her in for a 75-year-old yet. <laughs> well, that'll be next. And she probably only knows about the 84-year-old. I'm sure there's a 72-year-old that's right there in the bathroom behind so the 84-year-old. He needs to get a checkup to make sure that his heart's healthy enough to do this. Other than that, good for him. Good for him. You need to work through your horr- horrified thoughts Yeah, and you know, this. with the Viagra and that, you, you got to say that hopefully he got that prescription. He would have had to get that prescription from a doctor unless, of course, he went online and got it illegally, which happens. Um, and in that, then the good news is the doctor, I'm sure, decided he was healthy enough for this. Yeah. So, Shane, I wanted to just talk a little bit about some of the funny things that have happened to me while yeah. I've been in this business. I want to hear it. So, first, uh, way back in 1989, when we had that major earthquake in San Francisco, I happened to be working at a downtown San Francisco uh, hospital. Fortunately, it was built on rollers. It was a relatively new hospital, St. Francis. And so when the, <laughs> it did sound dangerous. When, when the earthquake came, you know, we were on rollers. All the power went off, and the, the hospital really swung back and forth. The TVs on the walls were flipping like this Whoa. back and forth. It was intense. And the only light that we had was the light from the uh, heart monitors. So it was very eerie in the creepy, nurse's station. Yeah. Very creepy. And I'm on the eighth floor, so I can see all the way to the marina. Um, so we stop rocking and rolling. We're standing there. I'm like, oh my God, all the patient lights go on. So I say to the nurse who's working with me, you go on that side. I'm going to go on this side. We're going to go door to door and we're going to start calming people Bringing down. Bringing jello to everyone. Yeah, exactly. So I go into the first room and uh, this woman says, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Listen, could you call my doctor? Because I'm feeling a little bit constipated and I think I need a <laughs> laxative. And without a moment's notice, I said, excuse me, we just had a major earthquake. If that didn't scare the crap out of you, there isn't a <laughs> laxative on the planet big enough. And since I can't call my own home to find out how my right. cats and people are, right. forget it, lady. I'm not going to be dealing with that. And I went to the next room. That You just went way down on the priority list with your constipation, Totally, lady. totally. Now, I will tell you another time, and I, I was all of 25 years old, so uh, about 50 pounds lighter than I am now. And I had taken care of a gentleman. So this is the 07 earthquake <laughs> yeah. then, right? <laughs> this, was, this was way back in the early 80s. Um, I had taken care of a gentleman who was in his 30s who had had an MI, a heart attack, myocardium infarction. And on the fourth day of caring for him, he was going to be going home the next day. I come into his room. I work the PM shift. And he says to me, oh, I'm so glad you're on. He said, 
I got you flowers because I just didn't think a male nurse could be as compassionate of you as you have been to me. Ouch. And so I'm standing there with earrings on, for Christ's sakes, <laughs> stunned that he is giving me flowers for being a male nurse. And the shock is registering on my face. And he says, oh, no, I've offended you. Candy didn't seem right for a man. Uh, flowers, oh, I, I didn't think that flowers were right. I feel so bad for you. And so I looked at him and I said, no, I want to thank you. That's great. That's a beautiful gift. Thank you so much. Aww. And I went out to the nurse's station and said, look, I just got these flowers for being such a good male nurse. Nice. <laughs> so I've done a lot to, pr- to promote male nursing in well, my profession. You're the foxiest nurse <laughs> I've ever seen, Casey. So, so anything funny in your... Neck of the woods. So, yeah. uh, Actually, I was looking through. uh, So I I work at a psych emergency clinic, and we we have a comment box there. Oh, no. Why do you have a comment box? Because that's only going to elicit more problems. Right. So uh, (laughs) I was looking through it the other day, and we got one of my favorite comments so far. And so it said, I really enjoyed my stay at the clinic. My only complaints is that you should have more food and naked women. And I was like... (laughs) Because there's so many naked women walking around right, in right. your clinic. I'm like, well, that's any place. Like, why are you singling us out? So there's and that. More food. Yeah. I like, do you serve food in the clinic? Yeah. Well, that's kind of nice. And where to get the naked women from? Was he at a bar just down the street? So just to be clear, there are no naked women at the clinic that I work <laughs> Thank at. Goodness. I don't want to give that impression. But Thank yeah, goodness. I was like, I got it, dude. I'm fully on board. I understand. And then there was the time that I... um. Uh, I, I went to the clinic and I was wearing a, a tie. I'd been lecturing, and one of a couple of the staff was like, "Why are you all, you know, why are you all dressed you up dre- for? Why are you so dressed up for?" And I was like, and I got all sanctimonious, and I'm all like, you know, these patients they deserve someone that has a tie just as much as it. <laughs> and then I no sooner had I walked out, finishing that conversation, I walked out, and I just hear this client just yell across the the, the clinic, "Hey, tell the yuppie to give me some Ativan." <laughs> So that was the last time I wore a, I wore a tie to the clinic. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Now, I will tell you just the other day what I heard. I'm sitting in my office, and I hear a nurse outside of my office on the phone calling a resident. And the conversation goes, hi, hi. You know, I'm wondering, I'm filling out your, your health directive here, and I'm wondering, do you have any problem with hearing? No, hearing. No, can you hear me? <laughs> No, is there a problem? No, no, it's hearing. I'm asking about hearing. And I yell from the other room, the answer is yes. How many times do you have to ask if they're hard of hearing to get they're hard of hearing? The answer is (laughs) yes. The answer is yes. It's a basic common problem. All right. So that's that's pretty good stories. I'm sure we'll have some more in 2014. I'm sure we will, too. Those are just our last stories. So you want to tune in to hear more of our mishaps and mayhem in nursing. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, folks. I want to say a special thanks to the California Nurses Association and National Nurses United, mainly for fighting for us in places like Michigan, which is so very important today. To learn more about today's topics, visit nursetalksite.com or nationalnurses.org. A great big thank you to our executive producer, producer Patty Lockard, and the team at TalkStream Network, Taylor Lockard, Social Networking, and Progressive Voices TuneIn, and all other wonderful broadcast partners, and all of our wonderful broadcast partners. Remember, to listen, you got to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> to laugh, you got to listen. Come back next week. Even though I messed that up, we still do love you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Check us out on Facebook or go to our website at nursetalksite.com.
For more information about National Nurses United and the California Nurses Association, visit nationalnursesunited.org. Until next week, remember, laughter is the best medicine.